I always try to save a client, right? But we still have to this day, we have some properties that fall into that 80-20 rule, right? This, this small number of properties are causing 80% of the problems, whether it is a owner who doesn't understand, who likes to complain, doesn't like to keep their property maintained, an owner who drags their feet and then that leads to tenant problems, whatever it is, an, an owner that complains about our pricing and when they get their owner statement, they always call, right? Um, threaten to fire us, whatever. I will always try to save a client. But for me, if I've done that twice already and then it happens again, for me, it's three strikes and we're out. What is Triple Win Live all about? Hey, um, Jonathan Cook had a great quote recently of just anytime you get good people together like this and you allow great property managers to learn from other great property managers, uh, it's it's going to be a good place to be, a great place to learn uh, and just good people to be around. So great to see you here. There's lots of great questions that came in advance. And for those of you that are here, one reward of being live is we'd love to prioritize you and your questions. So even if you asked one in advance, if you haven't done this before, we just want you to use the chat. Just drop any question you have in the chat. I think we even got like a favorite movie request. I don't know. We may mix one or two fun ones in there <laughs> amidst everything else. And uh, and yeah, just put those in the chat. Once you have them in the chat, Laura will just communicate with you in the chat to bring you up on the Zoom stage so we can get you up here with Bob uh, and myself and, and get your question asked and answered live. All right, everybody. You're in the digital lobby bar, if you will, but enhanced with uh, a little more structure, facilitation, prep around it to get the very most out of this. It's, it's all about powerful connection, conversation, and collaboration happening right here. So we'll get this kicked off. Bob, happy Triple Wednesday, my friend. Woohoo! So good to be here. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. I've been so excited to to do this. Yes, and I, I was sneaking a little bit of promotion in there, but uh, it's certainly not totally a sufficient introduction for Bob Preston. I'd like to add a little bit more just before we dive in and get started here, do a triple uh -oh. win breakdown and take people's <laughs> questions. So Bob, Bob won't brag on himself. So I had to go find out some facts about Bob and, uh, and more, and, and I'll share just personally a couple of things that have really impressed us about Bob over time. And we've gotten to know each other much better over the last year or two. Um, but if you don't know Bob, you can see right in the backdrop, if you're watching this on video and not listening to a recording, North County Property Group, you can tell by his setup, by the way, the Property Management Brainstorm is an excellent podcast we would recommend people go check out. Um, tons of episodes, all kinds of stuff you can look at there uh, that Bob's done a great job of. And he's just got that quality mic and quality voice uh, you know, that I could listen to over and over again. So we recommend checking that out. But a couple facts about Bob's business that were worth highlighting in particular. We mentioned this of $550 of revenue per unit. And part of that is the management company. Part of that is also a maintenance company. And so many people have asked, man, do, do I ever in-house maintenance? Do I ever have my own maintenance company and operate that? That's something that Bob has done and generate great, great results and a great level of service for clients. You know, the other thing that really stuck out to me was zero evictions. We're all knocking on wood as soon as we say that, Bob that there's no jinx factor here uh, with that, that that street can stay alive uh, for many more years to come. And we can dive into people's questions they have about that. There's so many other results we could promote, but I also just want to promote Bob as somebody who he's an educator in this industry. You'll often see him on NARPM stages. He's a past president of Cal NARPM. We're very excited to be in Napa, California with Bob, Karen, many of the people here and many of the people listening at the Cal NARPM State Conference coming up. It's great to be back in person for that, uh, although the virtual event itself was very valuable and what we could do in the meantime. Um, so listen, Bob's a past president. He, he's uh, very active in the NARPM space. He's an educator, he's a leader. Uh, and there's many ways where he's differentiated in, in leading in his market. Uh, they're north, north, of, uh, north of San Diego and excited to get into that today. Bob, listen, I, I'll... I'll probably keep introducing you for 10 minutes until I feel like I've sufficiently <laughs> oh, introduced you. But is it is a way of starting? Is there anything else you feel like people should know about you personally or your company uh, that would be good backdrop before we start? 
Oh my gosh. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for that amazing introduction. Most of it's true, I think. Uh, the one thing I'd like that I'm probably most proud of about my accomplishment in this industry and the in the business is that we're a NARPM CRMC. Uh, we got our designation for that this year. We're the only CRMC in all of Southern California. Four, one of four in California, and only one of about sixty in all of the country. So, for me, if I like, you know, put a feather in our hat as a company, that's probably the one that I'm most proud of. You know, really, really took a lot of work, and not just by me, but by the entire team. Right? It shows a dedication of the team of people that I surround myself with every day. So that was that was one I'd like to point out. Other than that, yeah, we're a team of eleven people. We've been doing this for about twenty years. Uh, we like to give back to the community. That's another big part of our gig here, and um, that's that's pretty much sums it up. Oh, I'm also uh, the Southwest Regional Vice President this year for NARPM kind of a big deal. And I see some Southwesters uh, from Nevada and Utah on today. And that makes me also part of the NARPM uh, National Board of Directors this year. Bob, thanks for that. And uh, everybody, we're going to dive right in now. We're going to dive right in. You know, one of the things we wanted to start with was I, I think you and the company have made a very conscious and intentional choice about who is your customer? Who do you serve? And it seems like North County Property Group isn't for everyone necessarily, right? Every property, every person working with them directly that you've, you've made a choice about who you are for. And could you talk a little bit about what that is, how you define your ideal customer and what went into that decision? Super great question. And I love this because it is true when I first kind of backed into this business. I, I was a former Silicon Valley guy and I moved back to San Diego to be closer to three kids I have from a previous marriage. By the way, one of them now is the second in command here at the, at the company, Brett Preston. But uh, when I got into the business and I was starting things out, I learned really, really quickly that sometimes less is more, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And the 80-20 rule made itself loud and clear in my business right away. The worst properties, and, and in the early days, we would take on any property, right? We'd take, take on anything. And in the early days, the worst properties were taking up 80% of our time. So based on where we're located, we're, as Andrew said, we're located in the northern part of San Diego County, uh, Del Mar to be exact. Uh, there, there was no real clear dominant property management company north of San Diego proper. And that covers more than half of the county, right? And so I was brainstorming names uh, to call ourselves. And so the concept of okay, North County Property Group, that's where the name came from. We focus North County. And part of that is the coastal communities of North County are, for the most part, high value properties, beach homes, things like this, where we started to carve out a niche. And as I did that, I realized, wow, okay, 20 percent of my properties are making up, you know, 80% of the margin here. So why am I beating my head against the wall with these, you know, C-level uh, properties with C-level owners and C-level tenants? And at that point in time, we just started all of our messaging, our positioning and directing kind of our outreach and pitch to kind of the higher end of the market. So that is what we call our niche. Um, also allows us to, I think, promote ourselves as having high value. I don't like to say high end management services, but high value. So fine, you know, we may not be the cheapest. That's okay. If you don't like that, don't come to our company. Right? But I can tell you, and this is what I say to most owners, is that we have a lot of high value properties, a lot of high value owners that trust their number one asset to North County Property Group. And that makes me pretty proud. You know, it's a, it's a conscious decision to say, hey, you know, Walmart has obviously built a big business, right? And a, and a great business in its own right. And it's, it's not necessarily that one is better than another. Um, but, you know, you look at like who Ritz Carlton serves, you know, as opposed to like who a Hampton Inn serves, right? And, and while both can be successful and people have different definitions of business success, you know, it's pretty clear that who's, a, who's wanting to stay in the Ritz Carlton is not the same group staying in the Hampton Inn. Right. And so I'm sure you've just seen as you've committed to that, hey, there's a resident profile, right, uh, that we're specifically serving. And there's an investor profile, right, 
that we're specifically serving and ultimately a property profile, it sounds like, and I think you've mentioned, you know, property values of a million dollars or more, but they're rental homes. Um, and, you know, hey, maybe these people even expect a higher level of service. They want a higher level of service. And so you're willing to charge more uh, so that you can deliver on that higher level of service and high relevance to them. So it's the highest value type of property management that can be done for them. Am I Am I restating that correctly, or is there something we should uh, we should add to that? No, I think that's that's a really good way to point it. I'm not saying that all of our properties are Ritz Carlton's because they're not. You know, there are, we have a lot of really nice condos that are less than a, a million dollars. Uh, we have some properties that aren't so great too. You know, we do have a varied portfolio, but in terms of our target and kind of where we position ourselves, our average is about 1.25 million dollars. Probably higher than that. I haven't done the analysis in a while because as we all know, prices are going up, but remember some of these are, you know, $10 million beach houses, right? So there's an average in there that kind of works itself out. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's very, very well put. Uh, there is a difference between uh, what people expect and what people want. And it's not always charging more, but uh, we can get this, we can use the same percentage of property management fee that somebody uses if they're doing multifamily apartments, but our revenue per unit is like way higher. You know what I'm saying? So that makes it worth it to me to provide that extra level of service when each unit is putting out more revenue and more profit. I think some people may think like, oh yeah, like higher rent amounts, everything else. It's just a free lunch, right? You're just making more, but the reality is people will also <laughs> no, no. Ex expect more. That's right. And so, yes, you have a, a higher revenue opportunity, uh, but it has to be met with, with a high level of service. And you've obviously focused on that and done a great job of that by being able to be focused. So. Correct. And the properties can be more complex, right? We have some homes that have three or four water heaters, three or four HVAC systems, um, but that's also a maintenance opportunity that can be turned into ongoing revenue, an ongoing revenue stream. And so there is more maintenance on these properties, probably as like a cohort than others. But we were talking earlier about, um, you know, the, the maintenance company and the maintenance revenue, right? It's more revenue there. Again, have to step it up on the service. And I just love that you made this decision where many people aspire to be the biggest, Right. And what you did is you said, hey, we're actually focused on being the best for a specific group. And we've quickly built a viable business, but now we can differentiate against other folks. So here's really who we're for, what properties we're for, and the different way that we do things in order to deliver the highest value possible to this group. It's, um, it's a great example, whether people want to duplicate that in their own market or take a different approach and say, I'm gonna niche on a different customer or a different property profile. That same playbook ultimately can be, you know, a way where people use their strengths, their interests, their passion, uh, you know, to, to do it to, to such an extent that you have to create the success you have. Now, I wanna ask you about this maintenance company, Bob, of, of what was the decision to in-house that and the process people have you know, a lot of curiosity around, you know, what went into the decision to ultimately do it? And then, you know, what were the key things as you started to do that to get it to the point it is today where it's very successful? Great question. I, uh, gosh, probably 15, 20 years ago, just kind of for the heck of it, I decided to get my general contractor's license. I wasn't planning to build houses or anything, but I had done an addition, a couple of additions on my own homes uh, about 15 years ago. And like, I knew I could pass the test. And so there's a, in California, you can demonstrate to them that you're a, what's called an owner builder and that you have the experience and you've done enough work where you can get qualified to sit for the exam. So I did, and I passed. So, I, so I'm a general contractor, right? I have a general contractor's license. Never really used it other than maybe talking uh, certain, you know, supply vendors into giving me better discounts at Home Depot and stuff like that, right? Um, but uh, early on in the stages of developing North County Property Group, we were just kind of passing maintenance through, just get because maintenance was more of a whack-a-mole thing. We had a small team. We just wanted to take care of things, quickly do it, would farm it out to plumbers, whatever, uh, just pass it right through. The owners would pay for it. And then I think it got to be to the point where uh, at the end of the year, as I was kind of looking at the books, 
wait a minute, we paid, you know, $350,000 out of our trust accounts for maintenance. I, I need a piece of that. You know, it's like, wow, if there is one area that I could learn how to monetize, it would be maintenance. And so um, what I did, and it's different than in-house maintenance, a certain way, is I've just leveraged my general contractor's license to start a sister company called Maintenance Sync. And it operates on a general contractor license where uh, we sub out all jobs. We demand the best pricing from our, our vendors. They're all vetted. They all have uh, liability releases and all that. Uh, we send them out on jobs, just like you would if you hired uh, you know, a general contractor who's going to bring in different vendors of different trades. And then from that general contractor, you get one bill at the end. That's how we run it. It's kind of a separate company, but it still rolls up under the same organization. So that's how I've chosen to do it. It works well for us. Uh, we have a separate small team that, that manages the maintenance. And by the way, having that maintenance focus for that team of people that work for a maintenance sink, it really uh, decreases the stress and strain of our property managers when it comes to, for North County Property Group, when it comes to handling the maintenance, uh, understanding what's going on with repairs and, and maintenance and, and uh, facilitating, you know, getting vendors to jobs. I mean, all that's handled by these other, this other group of people, right? And so it really reduces the pressure on the property management team to where they can kind of focus on staying legally compliant, moving people in, making sure people have the keys, uh, you know, the, 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 the inspections at the property and, and things like that that are more important to the kind of legal compliance perspectives of property management. So that's how we've done it. That's great. Yeah. And any follow-up questions people want to have certainly can, uh, we can get those in the chat and bring you up, but we've got, we've got Regina queued up here, Bob, for a question. So we'll bring Regina to the stage. There she is. Go ahead, Regina. Hey, Bob. Um, Hi. We met one time at, uh, in Kansas city. We're up on the roof yes. deck. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. Uh, and I'm glad you said you had more than just those $10 million properties. Cause I was thinking my question wouldn't be valid. Um, but all right. So let's take the $10 million beach house out. Yeah, of course. So on your other properties that are like normal people properties, what would be your top two reasons? Because I'm trying to figure out what my reasons are going to be to remove properties or maybe owners from your portfolio of management. Really good question. I, I like that question. It comes up with us. It does on occasion. And I always try to save a client, right? But we still have, to this day, we have some properties that fall into that 80-20 rule, right? This, this small number of properties are causing 80% of the problems, whether it is a owner who doesn't understand, who likes to complain, doesn't like to keep their property maintained, an owner who drags their feet, and then that leads to tenant problems, whatever it is, an, an owner that complains about our pricing. And when they get their owner statement, they always call, right? Um, threaten to fire us, whatever. I will always try to save a client. But for me, if I've done that twice already, and then it happens again, for me, it's three strikes and we're out. We're not going to keep doing this, right? So that's kind of where it comes from. So I would say, Regina, it's the clients that, and I know we all have them. We've got them too. Um, we, we, we like bringing new properties in. We'll always give it a try. But if it gets too crazy, too much of our time, uh, too much conflict, and it's kind of a C-level property, a C-level owner, then after some amount of trying, then we just will remove ourselves as a property manager and move on. I like that C-level owner. I've never thought about that. C-level properties I know about, but C-level owners, I think I have some of those. So, yeah. Yeah. And we go through an exercise to go in a little bit more detail. If I if, take another minute or two here, Andrew, is that there's a old matrix that's very famous by the Boston Consulting Group, kind of the four quadrants, right? Where you have your, and, and we we use the same quadrant where we have uh, double A's, we have B, B, C, you know, and then down in the lower right-hand corner. Uh, in, in the Boston Consulting Matrix terminology, it's you've got your stars, you've got your cash cows, you've got your question marks, and then you've got your dogs, right? And it's, it's a way to assess your product offerings, but you could do, we use the same kind of, theory to assess our properties every year. And the theory being, okay, the ones that are causing the most problems, we don't call them dogs. We just call them, okay, we kind of exit stage, right? Um, if they're in that C, C category and they're 
causing too many problems. And those are the ones we release from, you know, kind of eliminate that product from our product line, if you will. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Awesome. Regina, great questions and, uh, and great stuff there. It's a cliche to say uh, one person's trash is another person's treasure, right? So to speak, but there, there are property managers again, who orient their value creation engine, right? And how they differentiate and who they are for to deliver for one group where, you know, it could it'll, it could be different, right? The kinds of behaviors or the profiles of property owners that somebody would want versus another. We talk to people all the time who say, I love working with intentional investors and I can't stand working with accidental landlords, right? Then we talk to other people who are saying, I love working with accidental landlords and here's everything that we do, right? To educate them and set things up so it, it protects us and also them, right? And we're able to, to build value in a great way for them, and we can't stand, you know, the intentional investor who's always pushing us for 4% management fees and everything else, right? And so there's, again, it's not necessarily that that a specific type of person is exactly what you want to model, but I love what you shared there, Bob, of here's like, here's a matrix to think through or just help define what that is for you and pay attention to it. I love that you have a three strike rule, some, some great nuggets there that people can take away. Um, we have more questions coming in, Bob. And so go for it. Let's see here. Bring Jonathan it. actually asked a very um, uh, topic related question right now. And Jonathan, if you're ready to ask your question, I don't know if we can bring you up. Okay. So I've asked two questions because I asked a question for uh, tomorrow's uh, involvement as well. But I want to ask Bob about real estate investment, right? So my, my question was, how do we see the future of real estate investing fitting in with uh, property managers? Is that roughly what I had asked, Laura? Some, something along those lines. I, I know I wrote it out. and I, It was a very deep thought that I had at the time. Um, and that's what I'm having a conversation about today. So it, it, it's, it's all kind of crossing wires. You asked what sets a PM apart as well. So exactly what yeah. you said, but then yeah. also what sets so, a in, in, the, in the current realm of the, the big players in our industry, the Wall Street money um, and, and, and how they are, you know, how they have a tendency to, to self-manage, how can we stand apart as property managers to get what we know how to do better than the average real estate investor, show them how to do this? How do we stand apart as property managers to say, yes, we know that some of us don't know how to do this, but, but I do. How do you do that? Wow, that's a tough question. I think, every, I think it's a, a little specific to each market and knowing your market and being able to prove that, right? Because we get questions from people all the time who are out of state, who look at our market and they say, hey, I'm from... You know, um, you guys are, I think, in the, the south somewhere, Atlanta, I believe. Uh, I can't remember exactly, Jonathan. And hey, I want to, you know, I'm interested in investing in California. Uh, San Diego is a, is a target market for me. By the way, you know, gosh, I might want this to be a long-term play for as a vacant rental, but God, it would be kind of cool to have a vacation home that I rent on Airbnb. What do I do? How do I do it? So, right, these are the kind of questions we get. And it's very specific to our market. Um, so I have a chance to prove that level of knowledge and input and advice. I'm not kidding on a daily basis. I get calls like this, right? And so I guess that's my answer if I can. Uh, how do we prove it uh, more broadly, nationally? I think that's in large part probably why we're all members of, of NARPM and organizations where we can bring up uh, the the property management industry as a whole, because really our, our competition isn't each other. It's uh, in, it's self-managed, like you said, institutionalized investors and self-managed mom and pops, right? Those are the people we want to bring. Um, and then educate, educate, educate. We do a lot on our website. I'm sure you guys do too. Uh, we blast it out. We share as much as we can like today. Hey, this is what I can do for you. You know, if you let, if you give us a try, I mean, we don't, we're not that blatant, but I think the, um, constant education and showing people that you know what you're doing. It's one of the reasons I started my podcast, by the way, is a good way to demonstrate your level of knowledge and advice. And, and I, I think that that's probably the answer that I see a lot of us going to is, is the education focus, like understanding what niche we all fit in 
and how uh, real estate investors, because we all in some way, shape or form work with real estate investors, whether that is an investor that owns one single family property or 20, 30, a couple hundred. So it's explaining to me what I find effective. I know other people in other parts of the country can't find it effective. I, I know that to be the case. And, and, and the business development in me that, that just I can't help but to do it. Uh, it, it I, I find it really great that we have people like Andrew that make these wonderful groups of us all to kind of get together and share our knowledge. And, you know, so we can all help each other realize what you said a second ago. We are not each other's competition. Our competition is the uneducated self-management team. But, you know, it's an interesting question of, um, you know, Bob, I'll follow up on this. Of It sounds like, hey, you know, somebody like Jonathan or anybody on this call, they may be talking to a prospective investor and they may hear, hey, why would I acquire a property or bring my property to you versus sell it and then put all that money into a REIT, right? Um, why, you know, why would I do this as a long-term rental versus as a vacation rental was something that you may be encountering more in your conversations than other folks, right? You know, Maybe I'll, I'll get to this question, Bob, of what is it that an investor knows or has chosen, right? Like they've made the choice or they know this, right? They believe this, that if you see that, then you kind of know this person is actually ready to buy, right? North County property management, uh, group property management versus this person hasn't made this choice or they may not be aware of this information. So I need to discuss that with them, educate them, and then let them make their choice. I, I love this question, but I'm, if it's okay with you, I'm going to change the narrative on you a bit, Andrew, because it's not so much what they know. It's more about what they don't know. Don't know. And that becomes apparent super quickly with most investors who call me and don't know our market or don't know enough about uh, the California market, for example, to be in touch with the legal complexities <laughs> of doing being a landlord in California. There's so many people that think they know it and that they can do it just as well as us. And after a brief conversation, you know, people kind of leave scratching their heads going, boy, I don't know if I want to do this. And I'm not trying to scare them. I'm just trying to be brutally honest that there's so much complexity and involvement in it uh, that, wow, you know, perhaps you should be just like, if you go to court, you're going to get a lawyer. Maybe if you're renting your property, you should have a property manager. So that's a big part of how we try to communicate with people like that, by the way, in a very supportive, encouraging way, but to show them uh, basically through, you know, the content with, that we share and our own knowledge, what we can do for them. And that's how we'd like to approach it. I, did that answer your question? That's great. I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. If not, then we've got more people here who can jump in with <laughs> okay. questions. We've got, we've got Steve Pardon uh, queued up next. We'll bring Steve up. Hi, Steve. Hi, Bob. Hey, I, you know, we, we talk a lot about, uh, being real selective with our owners. We're super selective with our owners. You're selective with your owners. Once they're in, I can't be as selective with a tenant. I can't fire them um, as easily. And when you're talking about a higher end rental, do you have things in place that you require out of your vendors? Do you have procedures in place that you do in your office? This will sound awful, but we're amongst friends here for a higher class of tenant. Look, my wife expects something done a certain way differently than maybe some other people would expect it. And when you're talking about a higher end rental with higher end fixtures and higher end things, you probably have higher end people. Do you have challenges with that? And how do you address the work that is done? Because you could have a good owner, but you know, still maybe it's not up to snuff of the person that is renting the place. How do you deal with that? That's a really good question. And it's a complex one and it's a complex answer. Traditionally, we've always been pretty good at screening rental applications based on kind of the old fashioned way, right? We check their credit. We, we do a very thorough previous uh, landlord verification. We uh, check with their employer. Now you, one could argue, wow, um, there's a lot of fraud in that. And we don't really find it to be as much of the case in our category of rentals, right? It's easier to flush out. What we do get are people that come in with, uh, well, I'm self-employed. There's lots of arm waving and smoke and mirrors. And, you know, this is uh, how much money I make. And they're driving a Bentley and you're, and then they, they you know, you check their credit and they've got a, a 500 credit score and they're, you know, their, their uh, tax return shows they made, uh, $59,000. And then, but then they show their business account and it's got a 
a million in it. And we just stay away from people like that. So that, I mean, that's one way uh, we try to make sure they're rock solid. Now doing a thorough job of that on the tenant side has become much more difficult as we've scaled as a company, right? So we're poking around at some of these new technologies that are doing that a different way through this kind of open banking technology. And if you're, if you're going to a broker owner, I would encourage us all to explore that a little bit because there are some solutions out there that are taking a different approach. They base it on they have, you know, the deposits and the withdrawals from your bank account. They look at all these kind of automated things that might end up being the wave of the future for our industry and kind of, I guess, vetting out those problems, right? And I think um, I think I meant more on you're doing maintenance and you're hiring vendors. I, I meant when you have a very, you have a very good tenant, you got them in there. Are their expectations a lot higher for your maintenance and for your procedures? They they can be. I mean, we have thousands of personalities as tenants and even the owners in, that are in our homes. And so on a spectrum of that many people, you're going to have super picky people and you're going to have people that, well, hey, we're, we're fine with the freckles. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, uh, we have a house here uh, really near the office where the owner thought the oven was okay. It was like had one of these glass surfaces with scratches and the tenant moved in. And after being there for about a week, decided they didn't like it. And so here starts the conversation, right? Okay, what is it working? Yes. Uh, has it been in the house for a long time? Yes. Is the owner willing to, to replace it? No. But at, at what expense then do you have this argument and this ongoing nagging thing? And finally, we just tried to figure out a solution and we we worked it out and we made a compromise. But those are some of the higher, I'm going to say higher maintenance, but I don't mean the physical terms. I mean, you know, higher dealings, I guess, that you might find with some tenants who are paying, you know, six, $7,000 a month for rent, right? They, they, they want more and they expect more. I mean, said that, you know, dude, you saw the oven and the, and the stovetop when, before you moved in, you know, so why is it now a problem? Sometimes we have to make those, uh, you know, make those comments back and just draw a hard line, but it's always tough, right? At all levels, the dichotomy is the same. You have some that do, some that like, some that don't. Yeah, no question, right? Because you're going to have, just matter how big or how expensive your house is, you're going to find freckles in any rental home. And it just depends upon um, how much the owner is willing to do and and how much we're able to do. Um, there was another question in there. How do we, I think, how do we vet our, our vendors and our technicians? Yes. Uh, that's a tough one, right? Um, part of it is making sure that we just vet them and are really careful bringing them into the program, that they understand our pricing structure and that they're willing to participate in that and that they're going to, uh, do things the way we expect that. And part of that's through our contractor agreement we put in place. And uh, if they kind of earlier, we were talking about the, the three strike rule, same thing, you know, with our vendors, three strikes and you're out. Um, and that's just the, the way it's got to be. It's got to be harsh. But if it if that's how it turns out, then, then guess what? You know, the, the best vendors are going to get the the bulk of our business. One thing that I do is every year, Remember where I, I talked about that moment of truth where I looked at our PL and I or it wasn't our PL, it was our balance sheet. And I saw that there was $350,000 that went out on, on you know, maintenance checks and I wanted a piece of it. Well, we took that and we broke it down. And so we do that every year and then we send it to our vendor group. We call it the preferred vendor list. And we say, okay, here's how much we spent with plumbers last year. Right? Want a piece of this? Right? Want a piece of me? Well, okay. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And a lot of that's making sure, you know, your insurance is in place. You give us the best pricing because if you don't do all those things, then you're going to get taken off the list. Thank you. Awesome. Steve, thanks for the questions and the conversation. And, you know, that's a good question. Yeah. It's interesting when you're working with a clientele like this, Bob, I remember us talking of like the average credit score for your residence is like 744 or something like that. Right. 776. Uh, yeah. 776. Okay. You know, and and you think about the risk of, you know, part of what goes into zero evictions, right, is, hey, there's a standard for a resident. How do we attract the best residents? And, you know, I know your, your resident benefits package and things like that help attract, you know, people and keep them in place. But it sounds like there, there might be some other policies and, and procedures. I think you do some, like, preventive maintenance and actually proactively going to the property versus just handling maintenance reactively. Could you speak to a little bit of that as just kind of a cherry on top for what Steve was talking about of your, your level of service you give the properties? That's a really, really good question. Um, we, you know, we like to go into properties because with our, the way we run our maintenance and the, 
way we care for the properties, um, we like to go in at least twice a year. Now, I know that a lot of property management companies don't want to do this. It's difficult to scale. Um, <clears throat> we, we do what's called a midpoint inspection. Well, actually, we don't call it an inspection in front of the tenant. Some, like amongst friends here, midpoint inspection. We call them a, a midpoint condition report, something like that, where we get, our, we get someone in to use the inspector or similar um, inspection tool with photographic evidence. And we take pictures, you know, appliances, all this kind of thing. Well, why? Because then I give that to our maintenance manager for our maintenance company. I say, look through this report and see if there's anything we should be paying attention to. And almost inevitably, we can, we can identify enough maintenance activity just off that one inspection to pay for the effort to send somebody out and do that inspection. So I look at it a little differently, right? I don't look at it as a issue of scalability or a cost that, you know, drives that, that, that has windshield time associated with our team. I look at it as a business opportunity. It's just my way of doing things, right? To offer better service and also drive business for the maintenance side. That's great. Um, you know, a quick follow-up and then I think we've got Amber who will queue up next in just a moment and, uh, and maybe Ron after that. You know, could you share a couple of things, Bob, like what are a couple of practical things done on these proactive inspections? Because I think a fair question people ask is, okay, the owner can pay for it or right, it gets paid for somehow, mm -hmm. right? And we go out there, you know, what are examples of things that you do on a every six month or once a year type of inspection that it's easy to see, hey, once that's done, like that's created a triple win outcome for everybody. What are the things that you find or prevent or diagnose or sure. can, not the whole list because we don't have the whole podcast to go through it, but what, what are some of the top things that you guys identify and say, this really drives a better outcome for everybody? Sure. Yeah. You'll love this one. We look to see if there are any um, air filters laying around in the garage, <laughs> right? If they've actually been installed by the tenant or if uh, we need to do that while we're there, that's kind of a funny one, right? Because that does happen. But for the most part, we're there to cast our eyes on the property to be able to check that mark with the owner and to let them know, Hey, here's what we're seeing. Um, and look, some properties we go to and they look great. There's, there's no business opportunity there. That's fine. Then at least we can rest a little easier that we've got a good tenant and property others. Uh, it's just more or less, I guess, uh, I call it a MIMO light, you know, for those people who know the term MIMO in California, it's move in, move out. So it's kind of like your move in inspection or your move out inspection where you're, moving somebody in or out, and you're doing a really thorough job, this is more of a light, if you will. We still use the inspector or a similar app. We you know, look under sinks. We check the appliances. We're just looking for anything that, in our mind, a good property manager should know and should communicate to the, the owner and should suggest that it be fixed or, or we recommend. And we kind of break them into, two, into three categories. One is, okay, this has to happen, right? We went to your property. We saw that this is going on. We, we got to fix this now. The second is recommended. And then the third category is, okay, these are things we're seeing that affect the health, the long range health of your property. We think that this is something you should pay attention to, but if you don't want to do it now, we understand this is more optional. So there's have to have recommended and optional. Yeah. Thanks for walking through that. All right, Amber, we'll bring you up to the Zoom stage and come off mute. I'm not sure if you have one question or two different questions, but any questions you have, feel free to just come off mute on Zoom and ask away. Hi, Amber. Hi. So um, I just asked you, it because you're in California. Yes. So um, are you allowed to have, are your maintenance employees part of your actual management company or are they a separate entity? We are a separate entity. Because I have the same thing here in Nevada because with the contractor's board rules, you can't have... Um, a handyman or maintenance person as an employee, because for the contractor board rules, it's a thousand dollars or less with labor and materials um, to pay a handyman. I'm not exactly sure I understand the question, but remember I said that we don't have any technicians or actual repairmen on staff. They're all subcontractors in our case. And I, I was late joining in because I was oh, okay. on the call, yeah. so I might've missed that part, but that's why I was curious yeah. if in California, they're actually part of your staff as employees. The, the technicians and the people that get sent out to jobs today are not. That's just how we've chosen to implement it. Uh, as we grow and if someday we have thousands of properties, yeah, sure, we'll probably have trucks, right? And, uh, but 
again, it's a separate entity. So from that perspective, uh, it would just be like running a contractor company. I'm making sure I understand this too, Bob, but hey, two entities, separate business entities, right? The property management and the, the maintenance arm. And then what your maintenance arm does is effectively coordination, general GC work, right? Correct. Uh, coordinating and handling that, but they will subcontract out the actual electrical work or plumbing or HVAC or whatever needs to be done. Correct. Cool. And, you know, um, the way we position that is like, look, uh, what other maintenance company or contractor in San Diego will you find that will take any job, right? Any time of day, you know, uh, 724, 365 and do it gladly and quickly and efficiently and get your property in, in good shape for your tenant. You know, there aren't many places you can call for that. So that's what, you know, our maintenance company does, right? They're, they're built to support our property managers and our property management operation. Are you actually a GC? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, licensed general contractor and uh, the company maintenance sink is the, is the, is the sister company, right? So we're related, uh, dual ownership or ownership of both. And of course we disclose that to our owners as well. Amber, any other follow-ups? No, because I do the same thing. So that's why I just was curious how in California it is. And I know California is a lot tighter on certain rules and a lot looser on many others. <laughs> so curious how, you know, you were handling that. Good questions. Yeah. Thanks for your questions, Amber. Much appreciated. Laura, who do we have next? Ron submitted a, a really awesome question and we can, we can read it on his behalf. How did you choose your staff? And did you have certainty that they would fit into the mission and goals of your business? And if so, how did you accomplish that? Wow. Tough question. Um, and it depends. Uh, some of our best employees are people who have randomly reached out to me, presented themselves and have been persistent. And, you know, people just find us and walk through the front door. And we have uh, one person who on our team who's been with us for, gosh, almost 10 years. Uh, when I met her, she was working at Kohl's in the cosmetic department at Kohl's. Okay. Was from, was from Russia, didn't speak very good English, joined our team. And now she, today she's a broker associate and our leasing manager handling all the entire leasing operation. You know, so um, when we find good people, we treat them as gold and we just help them advance treat them well, give them good benefits, right? Um, compensate fairly and equitably. And uh, my, my theory towards having staff and employees is I wouldn't do something for one person that I wouldn't do for another person. Um, other, other positions we struggle with. I mean, finding good property managers is a tough ask. I mean, really a tough assignment. I'm sure we all, I'll, I'll find that. Um, when I, when we do open up an ad, it's usually on Indeed and we have them go through kind of the assessments that are on Indeed, answer the phone interviews. We put them through a th pretty thorough scrubbing, you know, with meeting people inside the company, not just me uh, as the owner or Brett, who's my son, who's, who's the director of property operations. But, you know, once we get a short list, putting them through the ringer with everybody, and then we kind of make it a group decision. Okay. Who are the best candidates? And there's a chart that I have up in my office that is kind of our culture chart that's you know, about customer service and in the middle are the stakeholders, the clients, the vendors, our, our, um, our, our tenants. And it talks about customer service that we expect. And I just come out and say, I say, look, if you can't live up to this level of customer service or if this type of philosophy about our culture isn't what's going to make you want to get up out of bed and come to work every day, then don't take this job because you're not going to do well here. I mean, and, and we find that that's the case. The people that don't fit in uh, present themselves as such very, very quickly. And, uh, you know, so kind of the old adage is, uh, you know, take, take a long time to hire, but, uh, you know, short time to fire. And that's kind of where we, we, we have always felt about it. It's like, okay, if there's a problem, face it and move on, because one, one wrong person in the wrong seat can affect your whole team. Great question. Yeah, we, we are coming up on our scheduled time. Those who know, we, we sometimes go a few minutes over if we can. Uh, but, um, but hey, we've had some questions submitted in advance here, Bob, that we'd love to get to. Oh, boy. Uh, most importantly, this may be your toughest question yet. Uh, favorite movie that came through. We're going to ask. It'll be a quick one. God, this is a slam dunk. I'm Scottish Heritage, so Braveheart. Gotta be, right? Your heart is free. Learn to follow it. Famous William Wallace quote from the Braveheart movie. 
I can tell there's people are who can just hear freedom extended uh, ringing out in, <laughs> right, the, in the back of their minds right that's now. Right, that's right. <laughs> cool. All right. Thanks for taking a fun one. We've got a couple more here. Um, what's the most interesting fee or program uh, that you have that nobody knows about or maybe few people know about? What's one of the unique or interesting fees or programs that you have? Uh, the most Unique fee, and I'm not sure it's unique, but it's the hardest one to work on. How about that? Can I answer it that way? It's the most challenging, and it's uh, what we call out of scope of service. Right? Uh, we get asked by you know if if you're not careful in this business, you're going to get taken advantage of because owners will call, tenants will call, and they'll say, "I need this done. Can you go do it?" Let me give you a one of the common examples uh, during the mortgage rates we're kind of coming out of now. The low. Okay, you know, Bob and team, um, I've got an appraiser I need to send to my house because uh, I'm going to refi so I can I can pay less on my monthly mortgage. Can you find us an appraiser and meet them there so they can do a walk through the house? Yeah, it's like, sure. That's not part of property management, though. So, you know, training my team to be able to track out of scope of services, track their hours, and then capture that in an hourly fee, super, super important. And uh, you'd be surprised how quickly it adds up, but it's the most challenging one, most challenging fee to track, right? Uh, we've most recently, about a year ago, implemented, we use QuickBooks for our corporate books and they have a uh, tracking, time tracking module that you can put on your phone. And so I, I just tell everybody, I give them a list, here's the categories. If you go do this, here's what's expected, right? Turn on your app, track your time, your mileage, all this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, we charge some nominal hourly fee plus mileage, and then that gets put on the owner statement at the end of the month. There you go. The most challenging one. Yeah, for sure. Something we'd like to highlight that I also think is unique that you do. We, we um, you know, something about being a, a triple win driven property manager and the idea that, hey, we're doing property management that, you know, benefits and we think about all parties, but so, something that kind of stands out in Part of the idea behind Triple Win is when you bring value to the whole community and all stakeholders in the community, that community is more likely to embrace you, not just stick with you, but also talk about you and you know spread the word mm -hmm. uh, to mm -hmm. other folks. And I know you guys have a focus of really being like a pillar in your community. And you've made this niche decision in your business about who you're going to serve. And many of the properties in North County, you you wouldn't serve, right? And wouldn't want to want to serve. But uh, you do, as a byproduct of your business, have some programs, things that benefit the whole community and people that you wouldn't necessarily work with. Can you talk a little bit about that and uh, and what you guys are doing there? I think uh, you're referring to our social responsibility, our, our community responsibility program. That's right. You know, kind of collectively corporate responsibility. We're big a corporate responsibility in terms of recycling and sustainability and all these kind of things, right? Um, but also in terms of our community and social responsibility to give back. Um, again, it was one of these aha moments, Andrew, at a point, at a certain point of our company development, when we got to the point our profitability allowed to start thinking this way. And again, it was kind of at the end of a, a, a fiscal year and I looked at our books and I said, man, we, we need to start giving back. We need to start doing some things. Uh, this market, this this industry, this business has been really good to all of us. We should start doing more. So we started a uh, internal philanthropy we call NCPG Cares, and we have two favorite uh, charities through which we contribute and, and serve time. One of them, one of them is Habitat for Humanity. If you've never done that, it's a blast. Like we actually, you know, get in our jeans and t-shirts and work boots, and we'll go work for a day on a, on a site in San Diego and give back that way through our time. Uh, the other way we like to give every year is uh, to the San Diego Food Bank, which is an incredibly uh, gifted organization and well-run organization by the Jacobs family, you know, the founders of Qualcomm here in town. And uh, <clears throat> we always uh, send out in our Christmas card every year that, hey, in lieu of gifts or any other thing in the spirit of giving, we're going to donate, you know, 20, like we've donated $2,500 last year to the San Diego food bank, you know, to help families in need at this, at this time. And we get a lot of good feedback from that. And it's kind of a talking point that we we're proud of again. And we, we, we don't use it to promote ourselves, but when it comes up, we're, we're really proud of it. And we, we, uh, we get asked about it a lot. One of the things um, <clears throat> I did last uh, November um, 
during the election phase, right? Uh, when the, we had the elections is I joined this organization that's called Time to Vote. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And basically it's a pledge by CEOs and corporations to say, okay, I'm gonna give, no questions asked, I'm gonna give my team members at least uh, four hours off, fully paid to have time to vote. And uh, I think I put that up on Facebook and a couple of social media posts. And oh my God, I got so much great input on that kind of thing. So when you give back, when you do the right thing, uh, you get recognized for it. And it, it's kind of like anything you volunteer for, it's going to come back to you tenfold. That's really cool. You know, it's uh, a lot of people in business think like, hey, I, I, I have to choose between doing well as a business and doing good, you know, for others. And uh, it's part of that whole triple win mindset is saying instead of choosing an either or, it's a both and type of approach, right? We can do good by everyone in our business. And even uh, while we're doing well, we can do good you know, in our community uh, beyond that and, and support the community beyond that. And again, that just endears you more and more to uh, the people around you in your community. There's a benefit that comes back there, um, you know, sometimes in direct ways, sometimes indirect or over time. But thank you for sharing that, Bob. Much appreciated. Thanks, everybody, for participating today. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Bob, I just want to say thank you again, my friend. Thank you. Um, for being generous with your time, offering to do this, stepping up to do this, answering the questions, taking them live, doing the follow-up questions. You know, it's it's not for everybody, but we really appreciate you doing it and all the, the value that you shared here today and for being generous with your time and being with us today. Much appreciated, my friend. Thank you. And the new, the new phrase came out of this Bob party. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for the Bob party. That was awesome. <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. Happy, happy Triple Wednesday. Keep stacking your triple wins. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks on our next Triple Win Live. Take care. And thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Cheers. That's all for today's Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your life with us. We do not take it for granted. I also want to give a shout out to Carol Housel for everything she and our team does to make these possible. It's crazy to think about over 5,000 professional property managers have pressed play on episodes in season one and season two now. And we really want to encourage you to keep giving feedback because more and more people are listening. It's getting better and better and better. Thanks to everything that you're sharing with us. If you like this enough to listen, I want to encourage you to share it with other people. Um, you can give us feedback directly on those social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're hanging out. You can also send us an email at triplewin at secondnature.com. And we just want to give more. We're, we're, there's no sales pitch here. Just want to offer more resources that help you find and stack your next triple win and become a triple win driven property manager. So where can you find that? You can find the private Facebook group. You can find our blog. You can find our newsletter. You can find more resources all at rbp.secondnature.com. Just search for what you're looking for there. And every time we see you, we want to see a better version of you and your business to that end. Keep it going. Feel inspired. Take our encouragement. And we'll see you next time.